been here when you've had enough sense to preach. I appreciate that wisdom. And thank the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jamie, Sister Lori, Miss Ashlyn. Boy, I was thinking about the men of God that they come from. And that, that singing, that playing, that spirit, you can't buy that. That's priceless. And that comes from a ministry. Now that word's bigger than how we use it. That comes from years of some old suffering faithful preachers. So their youngins would turn out right. Huh? Y'all understand that? What you got wasn't performance a while ago. It's worthy of is worthy of a performance, the talent. But it wasn't a performance. That come from a deep well. I'm feeling pretty religious myself. And uh, ain't none of us tight. You just the pastor. You worried the first night. <laughs> We're all fine. We're feeling really good. And you are too. Boy, he toned it down tonight, sis. He went total neutral on me. I just want to tell all of his visitor and friends he was wearing flyers yesterday. I just want everybody to know that. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I don't want any first-timers to be mistaken. I honor the pastor. I believe in honoring the man of God. Amen. I also believe in picking on my friends. <laughs> Can't help it. If y'all have seen all them flyers, you'd understood. <laughs> I got me some amoebas on here trying to do something. I want you to go to Song of Solomon. It's uh, great to see the pastors. There's several of them here tonight. Thank you. Great to see our friends, see the preachers. And uh, aren't you glad you got a Bible? Amen. Aren't you glad you got a promise? Aren't you glad you got a hope on the other side? Aren't you glad as this thing winds down on this side, it's just getting wound up on the other side? We're heading for the beginning. Amen. We're heading for the beginning. Good to see Brother Tommy and all those from over across the way there. Amen. Thank the Lord. So many of you came to the Redfield camp meeting, and I thank you for it. I want you to come every year and bring more people. We're going to, uh, this year, I got a man we're going to hire come out of the Atlanta area. He's going to set up his own sound system and speakers and microphones enough to run a football field. And, he's, and for a fee, he'll do that. And that's what we're going to do this year. And we're going to make it where we can seat. Uh, I don't want to mention numbers. It grieves the Holy Ghost. But we're going to make it where we can seat uh, several bunch more. And, uh, and, and the Lord's been good to us. That... I've, I, I don't I want to be careful to talk about it and want to reflect everything to the glory of God. The Lord's let me have a summer camp meeting since 1991. That's the first year they called me to pastor. I was 21. In seven years, we set a tent up out on the side of the highway on the way to Disney World down in Florida. And then... in. The Lord at age 30, 29, put me in evangelism. And an old man, Horace Crawford, who would come down to Florida, he said, come on, Dean, to my church and just just keep the meeting rolling. 
And uh, God's never let us miss a year. So I bless the Lord. Thank you all for coming and thank you for supporting. Hadn't the Lord just been real good to us? I saw something this morning. I wanted to show it to you tonight. We, uh, this, the Lord's had me in Solomon at different times through the years. So this is a brand new message, if you would, but also from old, old studies. And uh, aren't you glad that the Holy Ghost is going to help his church? Yeah, that's a promise. He's given unto it. I bless the Lord. Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Jesus. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Help us, Lord, in the preaching hour. Make it everything you meant for it to be. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name and all the Lord's people said. Amen. Amen. You're going to have to get a bigger pulpit. I'm hanging over both sides of it here. <laughs> Brother Brother Sharpe, you got to eat. You got to eat on the end of it. I always try to put an E on it. Well, you probably did 200 years ago when they took it off. I prom- I, that's a French name. If it just had an E, I know what it is. I want you to look at something here in the Song of Solomon, chapter two, and the Lord will just have to help us. And, and I believe He wants to help us. He intends to help us. And, uh, oh, good to see you, Sister Sievert. I just saw you there. Tell Brother Tom, I said he's backslid for not being here. Tell him I was talking ugly about him, and I'll feel so good about that. And I will. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. All right, we're in a love story here. And I, I know that uh, I'm a white preacher, and y'all are white people, but I need a little soul. I need some backup. I need some backup here. And, uh, I, uh, you know, drums and organs, I might need them. If y'all, but if y'all act right, we won't need them. So you got to talk to me. We're in a love story here. Me and you's in a love story. Solomon is a picture of the love story between Christ uh, and his bride. And I want to tell y'all something. This thing, is, is, it works on love. Faith, Galatians said, which worketh by love. And I heard a great message the other day on charity out of 1 Corinthians 13. And you stop and think about it. If you had all faith, it'd be nothing. If y'all could remove mountains. If we had somebody with enough faith to put mountains wherever we want them. And you didn't have any love, it'd be nothing. And if you had all knowledge, what about somebody that had all knowledge? I know some folk with knowledge, and that knowledge puffeth up. I think God's kept me dumb enough so I'd be humble enough. Help me now. And, and, and that's what Corinthians said. And know you had the tongues of angels. Well, think about the most eloquent oratory and the, and the ability just to flow out, mesmerize audiences, but without charity. And he doesn't use the word love in Corinthians 13. He used the word charity because charity's, charity is love in gear. <laughs> charity is love on the go. Charity is love being given. And uh, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And we're in a love story here. And she said in chapter 2, verse 5, she said this. Of course, I love verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. Well, I may run right there. I remember when, all right, here's your chance to help me. I remember when he hauled me up out of that horrible pit. 
fetched me like Mephibosheth. <laughs> Set me at the table. I was in the enemy family. I was in the enemy family and I've been crippled by a fall. And, but he came and fetched me and normally kings will kill off the, uh, the remaining family members. But he fetched me to the table. Set me at the table. Made me one of the king's sons. Because there's a covenant that had went on before I was ever born. You and I are operating because of a covenant that our father made with our king. Woo! Amen! He brought me to the banquet in the house. And I really do remember that night. I was 13. Now, I'm a little confused about my experience, but that ain't ever bothered me. Not a lick. I came to him when I was nine because I was scared of hell. But he came to me when I was 13 and he brought a whole truckload of heaven. He said, where'd you get saved in there? Don't know, don't care. You hear me? Go tell your super spiritual friends, Brother Dean don't know when he got saved and I'll vouch for it when they call me. Last time I read the Bible, it didn't say, for I know when I have believed. Oh, I lost a bunch of you right there. Last time I read Timothy 1.12, it didn't say, for I know where I have believed. Yeah, that'll mess up a lot of spiritual preaching. But this is scriptural preaching. We're scripture not trying to be spiritual. And the beauty of it is, some people did get pulled out of hell's angels. And they'll never forget the time. And they have a precious place. And our hat's off to you. And we love to hear you testify. But some of us, we ain't got a where or a when or a what or a how. We're confused about all that. But we're not confused about this. I know whom I have believed. I have a Savior. I'm glad you got a story. I've got a Savior. And I ain't knocking your story. My wife has a story. Amen. My, but, uh, amen. So he brought me to the banquet and that. Now I know this. I've been brought to the banquet house. How do you know that? Because that's where I'm sitting tonight and I've been here a long time. Amen. How'd you get there? I'm not sure. It's a complicated story, but I'm here. I think it was uh, C.I. Schofield. Went to F.B. Meyer and said, uh, got a man struggling. He don't know when he was saved. And F.B. Meyer said, tell him don't worry about it. I know a man who don't remember when he was born, but he's pretty sure he's alive. Amen. Nobody kept records and he didn't have enough recollection to remember being born. But he's pretty sure he's alive. Amen. Well, thank God. So I'm in verse 4. He brought me to the banquet in the house. Now I tell you that night as a 13-year-old boy, the Holy Ghost just throwed me in the deep end of the pool. I didn't even have time to stick a toe in the shallow end. He chunked me in the deep end. <laughs> and I've been wallowing in it ever since. Amen. He brought me to the banqueting house. That is the church, amen. That's the body of Christ. You better get you some high and heavenly thoughts about the church. 
you better. There's a lot more than this building. I hope you understand that. He brought me to the banqueting house. Amen. Reason our buildings are a blessing to us because so much of the church happens in these buildings. <laughs> and his banner over me was love. Woo! Here's a flying gnat so I could look at it every once in a while. Oh, I just got another point, but I went to figure it out. I just, okay. okay, I know what it is. Excuse me, I'm writing this sermon while I'm here with y'all. Amen. No, okay, there it is. So I got a first point now. I've had three first points all day long. <laughs> got another one now, Brother Jeff. Amen. His banner over me was love. You forgive me. All I do is go to church. I have to write my sermon sometimes while I'm preaching. Amen. His banner over me was love. Look at verse 5 so I can get back to that first point I just found. She said this in verse 5, stay me and comfort me. <laughs> Woo! I've been having to fight some battles for a while. Just, and you preachers know what that's like. Sometimes you're supposed to. So I've been a yearning and a hankering. Lord, let me get over in something sweet. <laughs> I asked him two weeks ago, can we, can we get over in the, some sweet stuff? He said, no. But today he said, I didn't remember asking, but he said, hey, come here, <laughs> dessert. <laughs> Woo! Y'all hit a dessert night. Don't you go tell people I'm starting to be nice now, you'll ruin my reputation. <laughs> Y'all keep this to yourself that I can be sweet. Oh, I got news for you. That's what she asked for. Stay me. With flagons, comfort me with apples. She said, I'm sick of love. That is old Elizabethan English. She said, I'm love sick. <laughs> well, Lord, I, help. I titled this a while ago while y'all singing. I got me a title Blessed Assurances. Blessed assurances. Amen. I want to ask y'all a question. I need y'all to talk to me. I can't. I don't have enough time to put a soul choir together. I'm stuck with you Caucasians and your old ways. So y'all got to talk to me. But uh, what do you think about them times that he comes around with affirmations? <laughs> affirmations. Fellas, you know your wife needs that? The reason she asks you, is she pretty? Because she needs to be told. The reason she asks you, still love her? Because she needs to hear it. Amen. Girls, you got it easy. I can't be nice for a whole sermon. Girls, you got it easy. All you got to do is follow your husband. Why did it get so quiet just then? Good night, you're going to mess up the sweet sermon. All you got to do is submit yourself unto him as unto the Lord. Just go behind him. You say, well, he acts stupid. When he does, point to heaven. Lord, you told me to follow him. Do you see how he's acting? <laughs> Tell on his hide. I guarantee you God will hear you. But you know what we men are called to do? 
Something not near that simple. Husbands, love your wives. And I'm talking about Christ loves the bride. And I'm going to show you how he loves, I'm going to try to show you just a little bit of how he loves us. And fellas, this how, and husbands, love your wives. I wish he would just put a dot right there. That punctuation of a period. But boy, there's a tail hanging on that period. Messed up me. It messed us men up. Husband, love your wife. Could you please have ended the sentence right there? I'd have defined my own self what love meant. I'd have given myself an A plus for treating Miss Jennifer right. Husband, love your wives. Okay, I did. But he put a little tail on it. As Christ loved the church. It's like the game of golf. You'll never master it. And, that, and that, that's something that you'll never, you'll never achieve that. You'll never reach that. You'll never have apprehended. Yeah. Girls, good news for y'all. If we men are right with God, we have a daily goal, and that's to love you like Christ loved the church. And if we ain't trying to do that every day, we're out of the will of God. Yeah. Just point to heaven and, t- Lord, he ain't doing his verse. <laughs> tell on us, it'll work. Don't tell your mama. That won't work. <laughs> I mean, Davina, you can tell her every once in a while things. <laughs> don't, tell, don't go down to the hair salon with all them men haters and tell them. Don't go down to the workout gym and the yoga class and the, and the little Starbucks where everybody's wearing their spandex and jogging in public every day where their flesh is showing. Y'all are not supposed to be quiet at this point. <laughs> I told you this was a sweet sermon. I keep acting like it is. Huh? Don't be hanging out there with all the perverted women and the man-haters. There's some words I just hate to use in church. You know that it fouls the air, even if it is accurate. Oh, but I got news for all you husbands and all of us men. The Lord is the perfect husband. It'll never come short. Do you know that every day he goes about, in your life he goes about, he has one intention, just to make sure you know that he loves you that day. (laughs) When you wake up every day, because he don't wake up, he never slumbers or sleeps. He watches over you, you never know, so near death is when you're asleep. Your breathing is stopped, halted nearly, your heart slowed way down. You're completely vulnerable to any enemy that could get to you. But he watches over us while we sleep. And the moment you wake up, he's got one goal that day to prove to you all day long how much he loves you. Woo! You say, I wish the Lord would give me a hug. He did one day. He spread his arms. (laughs) Oh, my. What do y'all think about how the Lord shows up with affirmations and affections, anointings and appointings? Oh, he'll make little dates with you. He'll perfume you. Y'all ain't helping me. I wrote these down. I'm going to say them. (laughs) Anointings and appointings, assurances and admirations. He'll come along and tell you how pretty you are. To him. 
Sometimes we act too humble. That didn't sound right. Let's see if we can explain that better. Sometimes we berate ourselves so much when he's over there trying to tell us how wonderful we are and we won't let him. Learn to receive a compliment from the Lord. Learn to just when the Lord says, I love you, quit telling him for the next 20 minutes how you don't deserve it. Just look at him back and say, thank you. And I love you too. <laughs> quit messing up that special moment when he comes by to tell you how much he loves you. Quit start getting in a bunch of stuff you should have done prayed. You'd have had all that out of the way. And then he could just say, I love you. And you can say, I know it and I can't believe it. And I love you too. Sometimes he wants to hear it right back. This is the beauty of people that walk with the Lord. They can say it right back. Most of us, the Lord shows up and says, I love you. We've got to take an hour to get right with God. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. Admirations and, and affections. Anointings and appointings. How about he shows up with assurances, reassurances, and, and admirations. And then there's abidings and aboundings. Aren't those beautiful? You'll see them in the Song of Solomon. Some of these precious times when he abides with us. Abidings and aboundings. And sometimes my cup runneth over. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Well, I want to show you something just right in the chapter. Young preachers, you ain't got to write sermons. You just need to study scriptures. Here it is. Here it is. Got seven points now since the little feller jumped on there right at the beginning. Uh, blessed assurances. I'm going to go with P's and V's if you'll come with me, if you're keeping notes. I saw this today and I saw this just a while ago. Okay, his banner over me was love. Sometimes he gives us the proof with a visual. Sometimes you can look up and see that banner. His banner over me. His love. Sometimes he'll just wave a banner over your head. Does the Lord just ever get on top of you and let everybody know and everybody see that he is mine and I am his? Amen. I have time to think about that. I'll preach it one day. Go to number two. His banner over me was love. And then look at this. In verse 5, underline flagons. Underline flagons. Now what that is, that's a wine pouch. This is not wine that'll make you drunk. It's wine that'll make you cheer. Amen. Cheerful. The Lord never advocated drinking. I personally think that it's probably very possible that the forbidden fruit was the grape. The vine's called a tree in the scriptures. And Jesus had to come and become the fruit of the vine. I can't prove this, but I, I, can, I can get it in the realm of strong probability. And that probably was a grape she reached up and took. <clears throat> and we'll only take 10 seconds here. Don't, we're not trying to get sidetracked. But man was probably a water creature. Probably pure and translucent and white and glowing. That river that flows out of the throne at the end of the book was probably flowing. He's the living water. We were probably a water creature, pure and clear. And the minute it took that and then turned us blue and purple and began to ferment and death and decay. Let me tell you something about strong drink. It's intoxicated. It's, it's fermented. It's death. 
It's a process of decay and death, drunkenness. And I don't believe you got anywhere in there where you can find that the Lord. And when he said don't look on it, Proverbs, don't look on it after it's turned. Don't look on it after it's turned. And I, so I'm pretty sure that we're talking about the fruit of the vine. Amen. Not, not getting drunk here. But oh, I'll tell you this, it's sugar. It's nature's sugar. Amen. And, and it's strengthening and it's sweetening. And it's in these patches, uh, 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 pouches. These, these flagons were flask made out of leather pouches. And the uh, reason I'm thinking patches is because he said over there in the new, he said you don't, you don't take old garments and mix them with new garments. That's patches. And then you don't take old wine and put it in new vessels. That's pouches. And I've been looking at them pouches and them patches. I'm going to say something, need a little help right here. God ain't never going to pour new wine into old bottles. <coughs> One of the reasons we can't have revival in our church is got a bunch of old church members hanging on to the past. I'm going to say something, y'all better talk to me. This better not be your church. By throwing their weight around and being cantankerous, well, this is our church. Well, you killed it. If you love it, why are you killing it? Amen. Brother, listen, that three years ago, the Lord sent me in here. You've been here how many years? I don't remember. Somewhere right just shortly before. God put a new pastor, a new evangelist in here. Hey, you better wake up and let them and get you some new bottles for that new wine. Y'all hear me? Most of our Baptist churches in the South can't have revival because we cling to the past. And what used to be the most spiritual members are now the most cantankerous. Because they were there when God did something one time and now they got a grip on it. This ain't my revival meeting. Don't say that's Brother Dick. This is Jesus' meeting. He let me be here tonight, and I get to drink wine out of a, out of a flagon. Amen. Oh, my. Sometimes he'll wave a banner over us, a proof of a vision. <laughs> and then sometimes there's outpourings of the fruit of the vine. Stay me. Comfort me. You know what them apples are? That's the scriptures. The Bible defines it. The Bible will interpret itself when you can't. And over there in Proverbs, you'll have to look it up later as, let's see, apples of gold and pictures of silver. So are the words of the Lord. You know what he'll do sometimes? And that flag, and that's the Spirit of God. And them apples are the Scriptures. Do you know that's all he's given us? And do you know that's all we need? He's given us the Holy Spirit and he's given us the Holy Scriptures. You don't need nothing else. To make it to the end, you don't need nothing else. He's given us the holy saints. That's the banquet house. That's the church. Y'all know the church is the only eternal thing in this world. And it's compi- uh, comprised and composed of those three things. The church is made up of the holy saints. It's all of us. If he could call the Corinth Christian saints, then anybody that saved is saints. <laughs> Don't you love how he called them saints? Just to clear it up. 
and uh, it, <laughs> the Holy Saints, the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Spirit. That's the only eternal things in this world. And you've got to go down to the church to see those three things. To see them all at one time. <laughs> and to see how they work. Now you can go out there and find the Holy Saint. You can go out there and have the Holy Scriptures. And when you leave here tonight, you've still got the Holy Spirit. But when they all three come together, you ought to see this thing work. Oh, my. <laughs> Woo! Sometimes he'll, he'll wave a banner over you. <laughs> I was in Thailand under demonic attack, under heavy attack. I go overseas in our mission trips, and y'all have helped me do that before, and I thank you. And uh, some people in here have helped me a lot, and I thank you. And uh, I was in Thailand, strong devils. You know, everything that ever left God went east. Nimrod and Cain and Lot and, and, and Nimrod and his mama. That's that Roman Catholic mother and the son and all your pagan religion come out of Babylon. Well... In Thailand, strong devils. My wife Jennifer, she's a soldier. She's a trooper. She's a she's a prayer warrior. She's a saint of God, and uh, she's not a platform person. She, if both of us run our mouth, we'd be out in the yard killing each other. <laughs> I'm the loud mouth. <laughs> Thought I'd confess that on camera, <laughs> flower camera, but the camera nevertheless. And. Uh, but she was being uh, vexed. She let, she let me go to Eastern Europe, prayed, never has balked. She's, and and that, that's a pretty tough place, mafia, gang. Eastern Europe is rough. Western Europe where people go on vacation. Eastern Europe's where gangs and thugs and mafia. And she let me go in there all these years in different places, in Africa, in different places. Even went down to the cartel. I'm going again this year. Somebody said, and I studied the cartel, studied books, 32 cartel families, and I know where they're at in Mexico. And somebody said, don't worry, the place where you're going is their headquarters. <laughs> the Yucatan, Cancun, then come over to Merida. I can't say it right. they got a way of saying it. Merida is what I said. I said, that's how you spell it. That's how I'm saying it. Y'all ate too many tacos, too much hot sauce, and you don't know how to talk right. Merida. Something like that, M-E-R-I-D-A. And uh, they said, oh, don't worry, that's where the cartels live with their family. <laughs> they don't shoot up their own city. I said, well, that makes me feel really good. <laughs> we'll be with them, but we'll be neighbors. <laughs> so I was okay with that. But uh, when I went to Thailand, it was strong demons. I had things attacking me that I've never had attack me. My wife had a deep fear. First time in my mission trip, she feared. And, and the devil, in a strong way, I ain't talking about no little old silly worrying like half of you people that ain't even saved worry about stuff. It was a deep attack. And, and she believed that I wasn't going to come back. Thought I was going to die. We were under heavy attack. And she thought I was going to die and wasn't going to come back. <laughs> and I was feeling that darkness 
I was, I was well, I, I don't want to go into it, but it's feeling that, that heavy darkness. And I got over there early one morning, and, uh, and I mean all them pagan temples. You think we got a Baptist church on every corner? They got three Buddhist temples on every corner and four in between. These Buddhist gods over there as big as this building. There are statues of Buddha as large as this bit. Some of them larger. They got they got Buddhist gods sitting there that take up half a mountainside. And you ought to see their temples. And all them monks going around there with their heads shaved. I didn't mean to be looking right down through here. We got several. <laughs> if these boys ever defect from Christianity, it's they're going to be good candidates for Buddhists and Hindus. They got official plaques over there, Brother Tim, uh, uh, in the hotels and airports, don't touch. They got official plaques telling tourists and how to behave uh, in that culture. Because them Hindus and Buddhists, they for years try to uh, work their way into different levels of consciousness. And if you touch their head, it all goes away. <laughs> And they got to start over. I thought that was great. I rubbed every head inside. I was just like, God bless you. Hey, bless your heart. We rub heads in the south. Good night. I grabbed one old book. Good night. Stay out of here. God bless. Good night. He had to crawl back up on a hill for 40 years and eat grass. Drink lukewarm water. Not talk to nobody. I restarted several of them's journey. I said, you coming back reincarnated as a mentally handicapped monkey now that I've rubbed your head. <laughs> messed up your journey. I messed up many journeys as I could. It's a wonder I didn't. They have, they have to follow peace and love, so I knew they couldn't hit me. <laughs> they have to forgive and love people. And uh, so I tested all their religion. <laughs> but boy, I'm telling you what. Depression was so heavy. First day, second day. I woke up one morning early because the time's opposite. And I drove out there and I'd had a preacher boy. He made me a, uh, I don't even know what, well, it was several years ago, so it was a little thing that played. What was it? It was a little thing that we played thousands of songs. and Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I was going to say MVP, but it was, uh, I, was raised, I was born in the 60s, raised in the 70s, I, and I hadn't entered into the world. MP3, and he downloaded, downloaded like three or 400 sermons. Well, I'd never used one of them. And I, I just, you know, I had a cassette player with cassette tape. <laughs> Come on now. I'm hanging on to the 70s. Help me now. Amen. It was so heavy that morning. The missionary over there was from Tennessee. And he'd started his church, named it after his home church, Hilltop. And I, early, like four in the morning, drove over there and I was on the side of that hill with his orphanage and his church by myself, looking at that sign. Thought I was going to die. So much oppression. And the Holy Ghost reminded me about that little MVP player. He said, play that thing. Well, I, I found it, pulled it out of my little satchel. And I just hit play. 
I didn't know how to I didn't know how to work it. And it was already in the middle of a sermon. And it was Sammy Allen. And immediately when I hit it, it was in the middle of the sermon. When I hit it, he hollered one thing. He said, We're over here at the hilltop Baptist Church. <laughs> I had no idea how old that sermon was or where he was. And I'm sitting in front of the sign and I just got through saying, Lord, do you know where I'm at? That's such a little thing, I don't even know if you get it. But I was sitting there under a heavy vexation of my eternal soul. And I said, Lord, you got to help my wife and you got to help me. Do you even know where I'm at? He said, pull out that little preaching machine. But we're at the hilltop Baptist Church. And I was parked. Brother walked six feet from the sign. This is where I'd parked. And it said, he's not bad this year. And the Lord said, I know where you're at. We're at. We are at. We are. Sometimes he'll give you a visual. We're not charismatics. We ain't looking for signs. But I had me a sign that day, an actual church sign. And when he said that, Brother Tommy, all them giant devils rolled off of me. They rolled somewhere. I got a feeling they were out of control. They rolled. God knocked them off of me. They fell off into a messed up part of hell. They're probably still floundering down there. Not able to operate no more. He knocked them off of me. And when I was able to communicate with my wife a little later that day, she was telling me how some church ladies came around with flowers said they fell in come pray and when they got to her God knocked them devils off of her and I think it looked like it was about the same time he knocked them off of me he knows when the show, you know them banners were for, for armies they were for I need you military men to help me for platoons and when them when them they all had certain standards, their particular group. What's the word? A battalion. They had a standard. And the Lord done that for me. <laughs> Lord, do you know even where I'm at? We're at the hilltop Baptist church in the power of God. I said, yes, we are. Oh my, how about them affirmations, assurances. Oh, let's run through these. There's the proof of visuals. His banner over me is love. There's the pourings out of the fruit of the vine. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with apples. Then come down to verse 6. I'll run through these and we'll be done shortly. I know you're not in a hurry, but I'm hungry. Verse 6, his left hand. Now you think he ain't going to show you how much he loves you. Watch this. Here's, here's, here's positional victory. His left hand is under my head. And his right hand. 
doth embrace me. This is what it looks like. We got children, I'll be appropriate. Jews wouldn't even let nobody read Song of Solomon until age 30. But, uh, oh, I got, of course, they don't even believe in Jesus, so, you know, we're not going to follow their lead. But, but, but this, uh, my old preaching uncle said, son, that's how you kiss your wife. He showed me that verse. His left hand is under my head. And his right hand doth embrace me. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, if you belong to him, he's holding you. <laughs> Whether you know it or not. <laughs> I looked, I underlined two things in there under and embrace. His left hand is under my head. I'm supported. He ain't going to drop me. He ain't going to lose me. He ain't going to leave me. I'll not be falling. And his right hand doth embrace me. Wraps around me, holds me, caresses me. Amen. Every once in a while you can really feel that, can't you? When the Lord gives you one of them kisses, look in chapter 1, verse 1, as it said, him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Yes. yes. What psalm is it? I ain't got time to look it up. It's in the 70s, 80s, or 90s. Righteousness and peace have met, mercy and truth they've met. They've kissed. Old Dr. Hiles from many years ago preached a beautiful message on the kisses of Calvary. Hey, <laughs> you reckon Adam, you reckon when he breathed into his nostrils, that was a kiss he gave his son. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. You bunch of Caucasians. I know you're enjoying it, but you're just looking at me. Oh, what about Joseph? Then brethren, after the father died, they were worried he's going to kill us now. He's only been gracious to us, the power he has, the position he has in Egypt. He's only been gracious because dad's been around. And now he's going to kill us. He's going to exact revenge. And they gathered up in there and made up a story. You can go to Genesis 15 and study that made up a story. Don't we make up stories to try to get God to forgive us? Don't we make up stuff and try to talk God into loving us? And you don't even need to. He's already loved you with an unconditional love. He studied you at your worst in eternity past, gave you his best. He loved you when you were unlovable. Them boys come in there and ask Joseph. They made up this thing and presented it to him, hoping he wouldn't kill them. And what he did to them started with a K. And it was a four-letter word, but he did not kill them. He did kiss them. That's what it said. It said he just wept. He never even said nothing to him. He wept and he kissed them. <laughs> oh, you ain't got to say anything to anybody to show them you love when you're giving them a kiss. Greet the brethren with a holy kiss. That's a good thing. We need to learn to get back being so holy that we can greet the brethren with a holy kiss. And uh, 
thank God he'll do that for us. What else will he do to show us he loves us? There's the proof of visuals. There's the pourings out of the fruit of the vine. There's a position of victory. I love this down in verse number 9. There's partial viewings. Look in verse 9. My beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. Isn't that true in the church age? Isn't he on the other side? Brother Jamie sang it well. I've never seen. Y'all ain't helping me. He's, on the, he's behind their wall. But he looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. You can get glimpses of him. Figure out he's been looking at you through the window. He's behind that lattice work. I've, I've got the word veil written down here if I can figure out how to incorporate that. For now we see through a glass darkly. There's a veil even on the church age. Help me now, that blue veil. Oh my. And right now it's through partial viewings. He's standing at our window. He's behind the wall. He's looking forth. He shows himself through the light. You can't see all of him, but you can get glimpses of him. And that's enough. For the church age, that's enough. I saw him in the Bible this morning. I saw him in the brethren tonight. I've, when all these preachers come in here tonight, I saw him. I got a glimpse. He's just <laughs> the body of Christ. I've seen him. One of your sweet ladies right in the first three minutes of this tonight sermon one of you sweet ladies lifted her hand up and tears started coming out and I caught a glimpse of him I caught a glimpse of him amen old deacon young preacher and I caught a glimpse of him see yes yeah Lord you can see him in creation you can see him in the canon of the scriptures you can see him you can catch glimpses of him my, my, he'll put a preacher on an MP3 player and put a sign in front of you. And you say, well, that was him. He went by there just for a minute, caught a little glimpse. The saints were singing the night and the preacher got choked up. And when the preacher got choked up, I caught a glimpse of him through the lattice work. Amen. Yeah, he does that. Let's go to the next one. And then there's a precious voice. It's down in uh, verse 14. Of course, in verse 10, my beloved spake. (laughs) And down in verse 14, oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock. There's the Holy Spirit, see. In the secret places of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Oh, that precious voice. He'll give you them blessed assurances. Jay Glass is a 92-year-old preacher in North Georgia. Sister Lucy, she's a, she's a precious, precious, great beloved saint of God. And uh, oh, they're a precious, 
old country preacher and his wife been on mission trips around the world, preached all over America. And uh, they put him on the internet out in Mexico, Missouri. They got a ministry, put him on the internet, and, and he didn't ever understand it. He said, uh, there's a woman named Dottie Com, and she's, she's sending my sermons all over the world. He, they've tried to explain it to him, Dot Com. And he just says, I know it. That Sister Dot, she's a blessing. And uh, they gave up trying to explain. He said, that's a short last name, but we love Sister Dot. And uh, what she does somehow. He said, somehow, I've heard him tell it ten times. She sends her sermons all over the world. <laughs> he's more old school than me. Of course, he's 92, you know. But uh, Sister Lucy lost her hearing. Well, she can hear a little bit. But she began to lose her hearing. And she said the thing that she missed the most that pained her was because of that. She couldn't hear the birds sing anymore. The high decibel. You remember y'all used to see them when they'd come over there to Morristown. And uh, she lost the high decibel. And she could hear maybe me or you or some things a little bit, but couldn't hear the singing of the birds anymore. She complained to the Lord about it, not in a bad spirit. She told the Lord about it. And did I mention already tonight that you can tell him things and he's listening? (laughs) And he knows how to let you hear that voice. Say, was it an audible voice? I like what the old priest said. No, it's louder than that. That still small voice was louder than the thunder and the lightning and the storm in Elijah's cave. Said she's standing at the kitchen sink with the window cracked. Them old timers didn't have air conditioning. They had houses built in the proper north, south, east, west. And they had shade trees and the wind had come through. They knew how to, and, and, and all this air conditioning is what's killing all of our sinuses and our respiratory problems. But I'm gonna go with air conditioning. We'll just, <laughs> just I'm not that old timey. <laughs> Said she is standing there washing dishes and that and, and had a depression on her that only older people would understand when everything begins to fade. And uh, she said, Lord, I can't hear the birds sing no more, and then she did. And it was a dove. And they have a low coo. <laughs> Brother Jamie said it landed on the branch right outside her little window. <laughs> said it sat there and sang. <laughs> said she got the shout and it didn't even scare it away. It just sat there and kept cooing. I know another dove, amen. Noah let it out of the ark. Amen. <laughs> Lit on the shoulders of my Savior. Thank God and lives down in my soul. And sometimes I cry out of my old war weary soul. Oh my dove. Let me hear your voice. And he will. He whispers sweet peace to me. Let's go to the next one. I'm nearly done. We're running out of chapter. 
precious voice. And then in verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. He what? Feedeth where? Those are local churches. You study Song of Solomon. I won't prove it. I won't take time to prove that. But she said, where are the lilies? And he, and he visits the lilies and he feeds among the lilies. He's not the lilies. Now, he's the lily of the valley. That verse stands. He's the rose of Sharon. But everywhere it says lilies, he goes down to the lilies. And, and those lilies. Now, you bear with me. I've called this perfumed valleys. <laughs> you bear with me. I'm keeping my P's and my V's perfumed. I'm going to tell you where he'll give you affirmations and assurances and admirations and affections is down in that valley. But in the valley he restoreth my soul he leads me beside still water somewhere in the valley below. He draws me aside to be t- <laughs> tested and tried. But in the valley He restoreth my soul. Amen. Years ago, when I was a young pastor, I studied in this, and I found a beautiful piece of, uh, a beautiful story out of that Mediterranean climate, that area right there. It's the little red deer, the roe, R-O-E. It's a little red deer. And, I, and this is 15 minutes. I'm going to make it 45 seconds. Y'all can get this, this little story. Because I preach a whole sermon out of it, but we're going to... Said that little deer, wolves live in that part of the country. When we're over there in Albania, we have to have armed guards at night for the wolves. And, and, you know, I have a large bark but a small bite. I curl up behind three strong men in, in fetal position and sleep all night and pray. And, I, and sometimes they have said that I've cried for my mommy through the night. When things go bump in the night at our house, I send Jennifer. I married her out of the swamp. Where, where are you from, Brother Jamie? I married her out. She's tougher than I am. I'm like, honey, we got a revival next week. Can't nothing happen to me. The prophet must live. You go check that, and I'll pray. I'm going to pray, honey. You check that. You, God's called you to watch out for the man of God. It's a special calling in your life. Make sure I'm okay. I speak like this to her. She shows me the verse. Husband, I like, honey, no, this Old Testament verse we're in now. So I'm not brave, but... Uh, them wolves live in that part of the world. And here's what they said, the little deer. It can't outrun them for long. They have more stamina. It can be faster, but just for two or three minutes. And then it loses its strength because it don't have much strength. It slows down. And the wolves 
They're bloodthirsty and they're relentless. Said it has this defense mechanism and God's put it in instinct to do it. It'll head for the nearest, deepest valley. Because that's where the water gathers and it's marshy. And it looks for the one deep enough where water makes it a little marshy. And that's where the lilies, these particular eastern lilies, it's where they grow. And it'll hit it at a dead speed. And, and what, I'm going to say something, y'all. I need a soul choir now for a minute. It'll hit its knees. And slide like a major league star coming in to home base. It'll run for that deepest wet, and it'll hit that lily patch, hit its knees. <laughs> Did I mention it'll hit its knees? Amen. And it'll slide <laughs> into that middle. And it'll just stop wherever it stops and hunker down. And they said the fragrance is so strong on these lilies <laughs> that it is a detestable smell to the wolf. They have blood. They're smelling blood and death and fear and pant on that little deer. They smell it. And the thing's coming off that deer as it fears. And that lily is a precious, beautiful, strong fragrance, but it's detestable to the wolves. Every preacher in here is writing three sermons in their head right now. (laughs) This is why wolves act out when it gets real sweet in your services. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm interrupting my own sermon with a little side note. This is why when it gets Holy Ghost revival at your church, wolves start acting out. Because it's it irks them badly. They can't stand that. That's what they said about this fragrance. It's so strong. And, and, and then like a cat, they don't want to get in that swamp. <laughs> and the fragrance. And then, if one of them's real hungry, it said, and even braves its way in there trying to get through the fragrance and the marshiness, said it, it's done lost scent. It can't find the little deer. The, the scent of the lilies are so strong. That little deer is hiding down in there. And me and you, the next time there's a pack of wolves, you just need to quit, quit trying to get up on the mountain. Everybody has to live on a mountain. That valley is where God will save your life. Get on down in the heart of your valley. Hit your knees and just stop wherever you stop. And just be, and try this, be still. It, 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 it emphasized that, that it was still. It's got to be still. Be still. Let's get in there and be still. <laughs> yeah. That's what, uh, that's what he said there. Let's go to the last one. And I love this. Y'all doing all right? We're going to get out. Good Lord, it's 832. They're going to think I've gone liberal across the country. Don't you tell people we got out before 9. They'll think I went liberal. We're getting out before 9, but y'all can't tell that. Oh, here's the last one. What do we got? Number one, he, he gives us blessed assurances through the proof of a visual, through the pour, the portions or the pourings out of the fruit of the vine and of course, that's the blood. We didn't get into that. And then there's the position of victory. And there's partial viewings and a precious voice and a perfumed valleys. But here's the last one. Private visitations. 
Look what she prayed in verse 17. I'll be honest with you, this is my favorite point. Verse 17. She said, until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bethair. All right? That's, that's a heavy-duty verse. Let, let, me, in, let me break it down. Here's what she said. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Lord, I'm stuck in a very dark place. It's night. And the shadows is where I'm living. And, uh, and I'm down here in this dark night in these deep shadows. And until, until this is over, would you turn back and come and come and visit me? Like the, like the little deer crosses over the mountains of Bethlehem. Now, I, did, I had to study this. I've collected commentaries through the years, and uh, for 20-something years I've collected commentaries on the Song of Solomon because so much of this is foreign to our Western way of thinking. This is an Eastern way of courtship, an Eastern way of gardens, Oriental gardens, an Eastern customs, and I've collected commentaries. The mountains of Bethair. What made the reason she mentioned them here? They're very difficult. They're impossible to cross. It's some of the rugged, steepest cavities, cliffs, caves. It's not an easy mountain to cross. As a matter of fact, they say it's impossible. You have to go around it. And then you say you can't get around it. They said, you'd have to back up and go out another way and start a whole other journey. So when you get there, you're at an impossible place and you can't cross that, especially in the night with shadows. Here's what she said. One phrase I wrote down years ago studying behind some archaeologists. Said, Watch this, Pastor. I'm going to say this now. Said, anybody stuck on these mountains of Bethair? They were, and this is a quote, they were cut off from the rest of the promised land. <laughs> you, ever, you ever felt like all the other people was over in the promised land and you were stuck in a bad place? And here's what she said. I'm, I'm stuck over here. And I can't cross over. And it's dark. And the shadows are long. She said, would you, would you do, would you turn back to me and come see me every once in a while? You know, so in my studies, here's what they said about the deer. Why she said, be like the roe up on the mountain. They said, watch this, the little deer are the only ones that cross it without even trying. Effortlessly. Like a mountain goat out in the Rocky Mountains. Here's what she is saying. I can't get out. I can't get over. Amen, and it's too dark and the shadows are deep anyway. I'm in a real bad place, cut off from everybody else. But you could be here in a minute if you wanted. Amen. Just occasionally would you turn and back and come see me every once in a while while I'm stuck. While I'm stuck over here, would you come see me occasionally? Amen. And thank God there's no private visitations providential visitations he's given us one tonight somebody in here
They'll be the only ones that know it. They're getting the verse 17 right now. They're getting a private visitation right in this chapter. And they won't even be able to tell us about it because when you're over there, you can't even communicate with other people. If they tried to tell us, it wouldn't make no sense. They know it's so deep and dark down in there and they're, they're divided and cut off. They can't even tell us where they're at tonight. And they're in here with us, but they can't tell us where they're at. But he knows. He knows where they're at. And he can be there in a minute if he wanted to. And he does. And he will. <laughs> I close with this one phrase. He said, until the day break. I want y'all to know that you ain't going to be stuck over there forever. Here's an old Easter song since we're in the 80s. And I, then came the morning. Man, I had a guy that could sing that. He'd sing it every Easter and every other Sunday. Because <laughs> I asked him to. Amen. Boy, he could sing it. Oh, my, then came the morning. Speaking of old preacher Glass, the old mountain preacher, many of y'all know him. Aren't you? He, I walked in one morning. Morning service in South Georgia. Got there an hour early. Walked in and I'm telling you, it was just like this. There was a ray of morning sun coming in a stained glass window. Nobody was there yet except old Brother Glass. He was on the organ by himself. He'd get there like me. Me and him both thought it started an hour early. I walked in. Lights wasn't on, but that morning was... Morning, there was a ray of light coming through that stained glass. When do you think I'm making it up? I ain't hitting that old man on that organ. And he and he's hit that organ. And said, Some golden daybreak. He never knew I was there. Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak. Battles all won. I want you to learn this, sis. Did you learn it for me? He'll shout the victory. These great voices need to learn the old songs. Most of these new songs ain't going to be worth 30 cents in a year. Learn that one for me. Break through the blue Some golden day Break for me For you some golden daybreak, Jesus will come and that old organ. Some golden daybreak. <laughs> I was pastor in my church at that time. I was in some heavy battles, and I had me a verse seventeen. <laughs> that old man never saw me. Throwed his head back and closed his eyes and cried and sang. <laughs> I got to get in there behind the veil a little bit. I snuck in. I stayed in the corner. That old man. Break through the blue Some golden day Break for me, for you Some glorious morning I don't remember the words. Sorrow will cease some golden something I will all pass. Hey.
news is. Yeah, that's it. Some golden daybreak. These old timers know them old songs. For me, for you. And he'll do that for you. Before we get that, there's a day coming. There's going to be a golden daybreak for the whole church. But your day's coming. That golden daybreak, he'll, one of these days he'll come over there and visit you. Because he can get there so quick when nobody else can. And, uh, and then he'll say, I'm taking you with me today. We're coming out of this valley. We're going to come you're going to come out with me. We're going to cross over and you're going to come on out of here and get back in the promised land. Ain't he good to us? Blessed assurances. Let's all stand. I'd like Brother Jamie and Miss Lord to come back with us. Whatever's on your heart, Brother Jamie. Let's bow our heads. Somebody may have needed a little touch from the Lord tonight. Wouldn't hurt you to come down here and put your knees on this altar and just say say stuff like, I love you. Thank you. Yeah. Quit all them prayers for a minute. <laughs> and just come down and say, I love you. He knows what you need. Y'all sing whatever's on your heart, Brother Jamie. Just obey the Lord. I don't want an altar call song. I want a good song. Sing one for us. We'll let the